Hi, it's Steve Krein. I'm here with my podcast partner, Dan Sullivan, and Paul Abel, who is the ultimate of free zoners in the free zone program with me and us. And I'm excited to part two of our conversation about how you've really built an organization that not only is simpler than it was a few years ago, but you've done it with a whole collaboration machine in how you're bringing a very unique service to entrepreneurs all over the world. Paul, good to see you again. Thank you, Steve. Good to see you, Dan. Good to see you. Yeah. So, Steve, we're talking about simplifying earlier on. Yeah. You know, something recently that I discovered, well, didn't discover this, but I live in San Diego, California, which is a beautiful place. And what I discovered is that for me to go visit a client in the Midwest or in New York is the same amount of time in flying time and cost than if I would bring them to San Diego. And I thought to myself, why am I flying? What am I doing? Because most people want to come to San Diego on vacation. I can tell you what, if you're going to the month of January, half the world wants to come to San Diego because of the weather. <laughs> so what I recently did is I bought a condo downtown San Diego. Why I bought the condo is that we also work with larger companies. These are big corporations. And one of the things that you'll find in big corporations, you have some ambitious entrepreneurs. They grow very well in their 20s in the organization. They rise to the top. And then they get to their 30s, they start still doing well, but in their 40s, they're just too much of a rebel. And they find that they're in a situation where they're making a lot of money, they can't leave, right? And at the same time, they're just not happy with what they do. And I love those. So when we deal with these enterprise level accounts, I love my relationships with those because what I do is I help them navigate their lives. Now, I'm not saying their business, I'm not talking about their job and how to navigate their lives for them to be happy. And I teach them different ways that they can work within their organization in order to still be entrepreneurial and grow without being fired. And of course, my solutions are built into it somehow, but that's an afterthought. It's not the first thought. So I bring them to San Diego. And what I find is I establish these relationships with these corporate people that become champions for me that I could have never done before because I'm helping them realize that they can live bigger, better lives, even in the jail that they're in. <laughs> so multiple things I want to unpack there. Are you paying for everything? You're saying, come in and stay with me. I'll take care of everything. Good question. So the condo is free. Okay. So basically the stock, it's a 2000 square foot in Little Italy. It's in downtown San Diego. It's decked out. There's a driver picks them up from the airport. There's a survey. We want them to bring their spouses. We'd love them to bring their kids. We want to meet them all, okay? They have a girlfriend. Bring the girlfriend. They got a wife and a girlfriend. We don't want to know about that. <laughs> we try and keep it as safe as possible. And we make the experience, an unbelievable experience where this corporate person is really feels like he's the king or she's the queen when they come into town. Rolling out the red carpet. 100%. We do a survey. What do you like to do? What does your spouse like to do? And then we basically will set them up to do what they need to do. For me, I have a boat downtown San Diego. We put them on the boat. But the quality, 
time that I get? There's no way if I visited this office, this corporation, that I would get 30 minutes or 40 minutes with them. Yeah, this is a good story. Can I tell you a story that backs up your strategy here? So the head of Sony, well, he was the founder of Sony, really, Morita, a Japanese owner, he took advantage of the fact that Jimmy Carter was president. And Jimmy Carter immediately, you know, that my cabinet ministers, my secretaries cannot fly first class or business class. They have to fly economy because we want to show, you know, how serious we are about uh, saving the American people money. So Morita, what he would do, he had insiders everywhere and he just figured out when Strauss was planning a trip to Japan, which they did a lot back in the 1970s. We didn't have the security issues and everything with airlines back in the 1970s. So what he would do is he would get two first-class seats and he'd get on the plane real early because he knew that generally the secretaries are really busy and they get there at the last time. And when Robert Strauss was the finance secretary for the United States, he got on and Maria said, Bob, Bob, great to see you. Where, where, where are you going? He says, well, I'm going to Tokyo. He says, really, really? Oh, that's amazing. And he said, which seat do you have? He said, oh, no, I'm in the back. And Maria says, look, I had a friend who was going to go to Tokyo with me, and he didn't show up. And I've just talked to the crew. You can sit here. You don't have to sit back there. You can sit there. He had him for 17 hours. How you do it? <laughs> Where do you get 17 uninterrupted hours with the chief finance officer for the biggest economy. So that sounds similar. And I have them in town. I build great relationships. And then I do this as well, you know, for other clients. And I don't have to leave anymore and get on planes. <laughs> I don't have a private plane yet. But I have a private plane, I'll change yeah. the deal. Yeah. One thing I'd like to bring to the spotlight here is that you're also collaborating with technology. You're not only collaborating with big multiplier systems in terms of humans and their network systems, they have very, very powerful systems, the associations, the payroll companies, but you're also collaborating with technology. Okay, so that's kind of part of the simplifier multiplier process that you talked about. You had to bring that person in to document everything first before you could even go to technology. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we committed to AI, you know, several years ago. And I used to have six people in research. And they used to go to all the government websites and have to look for all the stuff. And, you know, now we have AI. It just it's, does an unbelievable job. It comes in on time. It never is sick. It works well. And we programmed that part of the business. We still have a human, by the way, that is augmented by this AI. The human has to verify everything. And that has been a tremendous, again, augmenting the human with AI. We had six people doing the same job. So, and that person is happy as can be. You know, I compensate our employees 20% more than what the average is because I can afford it. Mm -hmm. I give great benefits and so, and make their job easier. I just right now, I'm working with an Israeli company on conversational AI. So, you know, one of the most frustrating things is just emailing people and trying to get a response. I think it was bad before COVID, but people's inboxes are just 
crazy. So this Israeli company I'm working with has conversational AI that basically, it's unbelievable. We just started using it. And my frame of mind on this right now is the human's going to augment the AI. Yeah. I don't think the AI is going to augment the human. <laughs> well, I think Varen represents the new collaborator, right? I mean, AI. it's not replacing, it's taking the commodity part of the conversation out of it and letting the human augment and support what's missing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very different way of thinking about it, especially in your business where you've got so many employees of these organizations. You said, th- how many, 300,000 employees? Awesome. Uh, subscriptions, yes. Yeah, subscribe. but to make them not feel like it's hard to get an answer by being able to make that kind of technology available gives you another who in there. Well, we are 100% a tech company. I mean, my two top people are both engineers. Okay, I, I don't know how mm. my business works anymore. I'll be honest. I don't know how the engine works. I have no clue. Yeah, but you know, just to add another perspective on what you just said, you do know how your business works because you start with the issues of the employer and work backwards. Anybody who knows what the end impact of their business is understands their business. And then you can add other who's. And one of the who's, you know, I feel, you know, a little bit of pride here in being part of you know, of your system is that I introduced you to the person I think is the best IP lawyer in the United States. He's done a great job. You know, we patented this futuristic delivery of mandatory notices to all workers, remote or not. You know, so we have a patent on future technologies on how to make this viable, you know, handheld devices built into wherever the worker is. And he did a great job. We're 100% a tech company. I mean, we give away the physical poster for free. It's all the service and the integration is what the value is. When we we sell our product, the poster's free. All my competitors are selling a poster. We give that away. Yeah, and I mean, that's the interesting thing, you know, one of the underlying strategies of the free zone, the whole free zone program is that not only do your competitors or would-be competitors they don't even comprehend what you're doing. First of all, they don't see what you're doing. And if they saw it, they couldn't comprehend what you're doing. It, But you're forcing them to compete with free. Free is hard to compete with. And it gives me a good feeling that I'm good for a few more years, but I'm never comfortable. I'm never comfortable. And that's the other thing is that I, I mean, our competitors are very good. They're amazing, but they're just not as innovative. Well, and that's the free zone, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Steve, I have a question for you uh, because you're a voracious learner from other people's systems. So when you look at startup health, talk about a quantum leap, you've made probably one of the most fundamental quantum leaps with your company over the last year. And that is just how you raise funds. First of all, it put enormous pressure on you personally. And then it also... You had to hit home runs all the time. You couldn't get walks and singles and yeah. and everything. And it seems to me that you've taken fundraising and made it into an everyday, continuous, predictable process. Okay. But looking at Paul's model, what are some takeaways, you know, things to look at, things to, you know, maybe we should relook at something that we're doing just based on his model? Yeah. Well, two things. One is, as I think about the 350 
plus companies we've invested in over the last you know eight or nine years, how many of them would benefit from what Paul's created? You know, I never saw, quite frankly, until today, more as I was reflecting, the opportunity to be a collaborator with Paul because I've got hundreds of companies all over the world, and one of the issues that you brought up on the last episode was the nature of remote workforces, which is now, you know, proliferated around companies around the world, people moving around, all the complexity of building companies remotely now, which a lot of our companies have done, has a problem solver in what you guys have built. And so first thing was, I got to talk to Paul about how my companies could take advantage of what you're doing and what you've built to help them. Because your scale can help our scale. So that's kind of a really nice byproduct of what you're offering. The second thing was, I think your conversation about how you tightened up your team to be the 14 most important people to help be collaborators with external resources is a really important step that, again, you simplified, but it sounds pretty methodical, starting with the multiplication by subtraction book and kind of seeing how it applies to you. And so, I'm really thinking about how, again, we can translate that into bigger isn't better with building companies anymore. You don't need and shouldn't be looking at adding 20 or 50 or 10 times another employees as a badge of honor, badge of accomplishment. It might be the opposite. And I think that you growing your company with a smaller staff is a really you know important signal for that. Well, Steve, there's two big benefits. One is it's easier to have a smaller staff it's more enjoyable, more personable, and you can really select the right people. And secondly, if you like EBITDA, it shows up if you have a smaller staff. <laughs> you have more fun with it because you can really hire A players and you can invest in them. And it's fun. I love going to work. I love hanging with every one of my, I mean, I'm really working on the business, not in the business as much anymore, but they, all AAA players. Yeah. The other thing, since you're mentioning EBITDA, the whole notion of a permanently increasing, absolutely predictable cash flow is very, very good for EBITDA. God bless America. <laughs> hey, Paul, where do people go to find out more about either partnering with you, using you, learning? Like, where do you go? Which of your many websites? That's the one weakness in everything I've done is we white label everything, yeah. right? If you go to, you know, your payroll company or your benefit broker, but service E, the letter E, and posterservice.com is the remote worker platform. And there's a video there that explains it. That's our hottest product right now. OSHA for Less is the safety business. That's O-S-H-A, right? O-S-H-A, the number four. L-E-S-S dot com. And those are the two main brands. And then we have, you know, different models that we white label, etc. So for me, you know, my email, I'm not going to send my email address right now. I hate email. So for me, send an email to Pable, that's P as in Paul, A as in Apple, B as in Boy, E as in Edward, L as in Larry, at OSHA. O-S-H-A for less.com. <laughs> Excellent. Those are clear places to email and sites to visit. And I see your recurring business here on the 
on the Elite Poster, epostorservice.com. I think that video and your free trial, and I think what you've outlined there is really clear and helpful for entrepreneurs. And I know we're going to be following up because I think it could be helpful for our portfolio. Happy to help. And we white label the whole thing so we could make this look like Steve Cryan's poster service. Yeah, yeah I don't want it to be. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> I don't go that far. White labeling it, but we'll figure out how to work together. It's great. Dan, final thoughts as we wrap up the episode on, you know, what you would never think about as a perfect poster child for collaboration at scale. But what Paul's built is not what it looks like from the outside. Pretty incredible underpinning to what you've created here, Paul. But final thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I think that at the heart of Paul's unique ability is just extraordinary laziness. He's just one of the most lazy (laughs) human beings that you can possibly. His notion of the future is he's sitting in a white chair next to the pool (laughs) and his thoughts are being transmitted telepathically to who's who are executing. And he's just smiling all the way. He's just smiling all the time saying, God bless America. God bless America. Every day, every day, every day. Yeah. One last thing, we've got two minutes here. And I asked people this who have come to the United States from other countries. What do you think was the advantage that you had in noticing something that would just pass the observation of native-born people? that when you come here, you see things totally different? Well, South Africa, you know, it's a different world completely, convenience, etc. Israel, I really loved living and growing up in Israel, serving the military and just the environment there. But the biggest change in America is the opportunity. You've got 350 million people. If you can't make a living here, you're selling the wrong shit. <laughs> I mean, you got, you got 350 million people, for God's sake. When I went to Israel, there were 8 million, I don't know, I mean, 9 million. It's like New Jersey. Yeah. If you're not making a living in America with 350 million people, you're selling the wrong stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Great two episodes, Steve. And I think we've kind of cracked the code on how to do this after a couple of years. But this was really, really First of all, you're just an unusually enjoyable interview guest, Paul, but I think we're going to get a lot of ahas out of strategic coach clients when they see this podcast. Yeah, you've got a confidence about you. You make it sound simple and easy, and that's great. You were smiling so much, I actually was wondering if your screen was frozen. <laughs> well, listen, I, when you say oversimplify, you realize that I'm not smart enough to complicate yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have to simplify to keep it so I can understand it. <laughs> yeah, that's very reassuring. But Steve, don't minimize the strategic coach tools. Yeah. You see, it's the questions in the tools that made me think the way I think and be able to make the decisions that I make. And that's what's given me the opportunity has changed my thinking. Yeah. yeah. You know, mine too, but I we underestimate how a lot of people don't take advantage of yeah. those tools and that thinking, but you're a great walking example of it. So thank you. Yeah. I just want to tell you an Israeli story before I leave. So, you know, we took a trip six years ago and I was in Tel Aviv and we met this guy who's just moved to Toronto, actually. He's a crazy genius. And he said, you know, you should bring strategic coach to Israel. And I said, not, not, never work, never work. And he says, why not? And I said, how do you coach in a country that's got 6 million coaches? Yeah, and 12 million opinions. 
right. All right, fellas. Great seeing you both. And I'll see you Monday, Dan. I don't know. Are you on Monday's call, Paul? No, I've no. Done, I'm not. Paul did his uh, month ago. So, uh, all right. I'll see you Monday and Tuesday, Dan. Okay, great. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.